That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. What's up, potheads? It's Christina here with a little bit of a special announcement before we get started. I am just like beyond stoked to share with all of you, our beloved listeners, that the Movie Night Crew Network is growing. And no, I am not still talking about Tyler Carlin's baby. Okay, congrats, Tyler. That's not what I'm talking about. We are adding a brand new podcast to the network, My Cabbages and Avatar Podcast. You may remember Alex and Zach from our chapter Snape's Grudge from a couple weeks ago. Well, they host their very own podcast, My Cabbages, all about Avatar The Last Airbender. And we are beyond excited to welcome them into our little pod fam. So please hop on over to check them out if you're a fan of Avatar or if you're looking to get started. They're super fun. They do bits like we do. I think that you'll find that their tone will feel familiar to you if you're a fan of ye old restricted section. Here, I'll let them tell you themselves. Coffee, tea, honor, cabbage. Long ago, the four elements lived in harmony. Then, shit went totally cray when the Avatar attacked. Only the Cabbage Man, merchant of fine cruciferous vegetables, could stand against his trolling. But when the world needed some dank veg, he vanished. Ten years have passed, and my partner and I have started a new podcast. My Cabbage! An Avatar podcast. A weekly show about Avatar The Last Airbender. Whether it's Sokka's new line of cologne. Hey, look at you. Sitting there on a seal. Well, now look at back at me. I'm on, a, on an even bigger seal. Now look away. D&D related antics. You have to make an acrobatics check for that. And Aang just like unzips his pants and whips out his D20s. He's just like, I got this. Or randomly breaking into song. <laughs> We'll stumble our way through the greatest show ever made, one episode at a time. You can reach us at CabbageCast, which is our Twitter, or subscribe wherever you catch pod. Rotten cabbages? What kind of slum do you think this is? So just one more time for the people in the back, go check out My Cabbages, an Avatar podcast every other Wednesday, wherever cabbages are cast. The dark ward dissolved. Harry had the sensation that he was flying, very fast, backwards. A blur of colors and shapes rushed past him. His ears were pounding. He tried to yell but couldn't hear his own voice. And then he felt solid ground beneath his feet and everything came into focus again. He was standing next to Hermione in the deserted entrance hall, and a stream of golden sunlight was falling across the paved floor from the open front doors. He looked wildly around at Hermione, the chain of the hourglass cutting into his neck. What's up, potheads? Welcome to the Restricted Section, a show in which a bunch of nerds with potty mouths reread the Harry Potter series for the umpteenth time and discuss the way the story and its themes have stayed with a generation into adulthood. Thank you so much for being here. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry. We did it for you. Here's what we're talking about this week. Chapter 21. Hermione's Secret. In this chapter, Harry awakes in the hospital wing, um, and the Sirius Black has been captured, and it's bad. And Hermione reveals that she has a time turner, and they go back in time. They, you might say, turn back time. 
And we do it all over again. They go save Buckbeak, and then they wait in the woods, and then they, uh, Harry casts his big old Patronus. It wasn't his dad all along. It wasn't dad all along. Um, it was fucking Harry, and he casts a big old Patronus, and, um, that's that. They save Sirius Black, and they save Buckbeak. That's awesome. It's also super sad. I cried. Welcome to the Restricted Section. It's me, your host, Christina. I'm delighted to be joined today by my beloved Haley. Hello. Hello, hello. Also with us is my dearest darling, Mary Peyton. I was wondering what adjectives you were going to use for me. I was like, it better be better than beloved or I'll be really mad. (laughs) So thank you. Last week, I made the mistake of giving someone an adjective and then I was like, and Andrew is here and he got really mad at me. So I learned my lesson, Mm -hmm. and we're super excited to be joined by a returning guest, Caitlin Durante, co-host of the Bechdel cast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me back. I am delighted to be here. Yes, yes. I'm delighted to have you here, especially because immediately after, I think during our recording for the Chamber of Secrets movie episode, you were like, can I come on for Hermione's secret in the Prisoner of Azkaban? (laughs) So I know this chapter is meaningful to you. Thank you for, uh, you know, I, I made some demands and I, I'm really grateful that you met them. Some VIP demands there. I mean, this, is an excel- this is an excellent choice. Like, if you're going to demand a chapter, make it a good chapter. Right? Yes. Gosh. Okay. So this chapter is the whole rest of the story game. And like, honestly, like, I remember reading this as a kid and being like, I cannot believe this story is like not only continuing, but also starting over. Do y'all remember reading this, like, whole climax? There's, like, five chapters. Do you remember reading it for the first time? It's so stressful, Mm -hmm. especially this chapter. It's so stressful. (laughs) And some of the most stressful parts are the waiting parts where nothing is happening, but you're like, is she really about to write about us just waiting for two hours for time to pass? That was my least favorite. It definitely uses, um, this chapter uses sort of, like, stillness and silence to like build tension almost the way that like horror films do because you're just like in the wood and then you're like a werewolf is coming a shadowy figure it's just like close call after close call after close call and Hermione is like the only person who knows what's going on and she's stressed and when the only person who knows what's going on is stressed then you're stressed (laughs) (laughs) there's just no one to follow here (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So before we get started, um, we're gonna, we have another email from our beloved listener, Mots. Someone do Mots Thoughts. Mots Andrew thoughts. always does the little singing thing. Yeah. <laughs> Mots Thoughts. So as a reminder, our listener, Mots, um, sent us an email a couple weeks ago with some non sequitur headcanons. Um, I really know how to spell non sequitur now, by the way. Um, <laughs> it has more use than you would think. Brag. <laughs> <laughs> So we're like, we're just reading one of these like headcanons every episode between now and the end of the book, which by the way is next week is the end of the book. You're ready for Owl Post again. I'm sure that's going to be lit. <laughs> <laughs> Love a good denouement. You yeah. know? Just a tying up of loose ends. Yes. <laughs> uh, the whole chapter for Dumbledore to fucking explain himself. <laughs> so here's what Mott has to say. Okay. So Mott starts with a Stephen King quote. Okay. In brackets. It says, okay, a turf, but I think, 
I think the original Stephen King quote said like J.K. Rowling, right? But like Mott's put in brackets like a turf because, you know, we don't like to say <laughs> her name or give her too much credit. A turf created seven horcruxes. She put a part of her soul in every book and now her books will live forever. This is a quote from Mott of a quote from Stephen King. <laughs> and Mott says that this is at, this quote from Stephen King is according to people on Tumblr and Reddit, which are 100% reliable sources, of course. There's like a parenthetical inside a parenthetical here. Anyway. <laughs> It's like it's as confusing as the ch- the chapter we're about to yes. talk about. Just like a re, there's just a rehashing of a rehashing of a. <laughs> yeah, get ready for some pubs- puzzlers, gang. So Mats has Mats has two thoughts on this alleged Stephen King quote. I'm gonna say alleged so he doesn't sue us. Um, firstly, guys, find a basilisk fang right now and stab your books with it. Okay, that's Mats' recommendation. Secondly, a theory. The world of Harry Potter is actually real. The author of the books is actually an evil witch, and she turned her books into horcruxes. It kind of checks out. I mean, looking at the quality of the other crap we've gotten since the release of the last Harry Potter book, it's clear she didn't put her soul into any of that stuff. Hashtag Roldsmort confirmed. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. It's a diss and a headcanon in the same sentence, in the same email. <laughs> Matsu's getting good at this. I like this theory. <laughs> because you imagine putting your soul into a horcrux that is then mass produced millions mm. and millions and millions of copies and if each one of those bears some fraction of your soul tr- imagine having to like gather up every single Harry Potter book and destroy oh. them and that being the only way My God. to destroy JK Rowling <laughs> like it's like Pirates of the Caribbean, but like one million times harder than trying to collect those 300 pieces of gold or whatever to undo the curse. Right. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for your email, Mots. We love every single word you send us, and they always make us laugh and also kind of uh, uncomfortable. We're like, <laughs> Especially when I think about how many copies of each book I have at my house at any given yeah, time. Yeah, at my personal house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, Exactly. Um, yeah, and I've been like, I need to buy, I need to rebuy another set because my original Scholastic set that I use for casual reading is just like obliterated. It's like pages everywhere, like absolutely unreadable, needs to be in a museum. I will, of course, buy this set secondhand. Not that my mm. money makes any difference to JK Rowling, but. Um, so, surprise, surprise, Harry awakens in a hospital ward. <laughs> Typical. There he is. He's in the he's in the hospital wing. So as he's like coming to, he hears fucking Snape boasting about his like dramatic heroism. He's like, I saved these children from this murderer and this werewolf, which like frankly the evidence doesn't look great. There is a werewolf. I'm, I, I, my brain was like stampeding. And then I was like, that's not the word. And then my brain was like marauding. And I'm like, wait, that's not the right <laughs> word either. But I, I understand why you went there, brain. Um, yeah. And Cornelius Fudge is like, way to fucking go. We're going to get you an order of Merlin's second class bare minimum. I'm like, good for fucking you, Professor Snape. Yeah, I love the exchange between the two of them because we don't really see the Minister of Magic and Snape ever speak. They're kind of two different versions of the people we hate very different versions like they hate each other too mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting i was also surprised that um snape doesn't throw harry under the bus as much as i thought he would because he's just like the children they were they had been confounded there was a curse put upon them to make them think this thing and i was like i guess that's giving harry 
more credit than I thought Snape well, would give him. Well, like, because he's talking to Fudge, because he knows that Fudge, like, has a soft spot for Harry. Like, Fudge even says, right. like, well, we all have a soft spot for him. But he does try to, like... <laughs> he says it to Snape, dude. That's dramatic irony and, right and, there, because the reader's uh, like, ah, not this guy. And Snape <laughs> does try to, like, slide it in there, because he knows that's the only way it's going to work. Like, well, he's been given a lot of wee- leeway, actually. Dumbledore kind of lets him get away with murder. Something should probably be done about that. I don't know. Anyway, I'm just going to go back <laughs> yeah. to my dungeon. Like, real sl- real Slytherin move, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Also, I think Sna- Snape, whatever, you know, your opinion of him, he is very, very, very smart. And he does a lot of just, like, observing people. And, like, I think we all know that under every circumstance, Cornelius Fudge just wants the easiest explanation. He doesn't want to have to work for it. So I think Snape knows that Harry's going to wake up still <laughs> Still feeling heated about the whole Shrieking Shack debacle. Um, so mm-hmm. he's like nipping that in the bud. He's like, when he wakes up, he's gonna be confounded. Like, just you wait. And then Harry wakes up and is he's screaming uh-huh. about, yeah, he's like, the murderer is not a murderer. A werewolf is my friend. My, my godfather's a good guy. Like, and everyone's like, oh, you, you're, you poor dear soul. That dude turned into a rat. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- yeah. There's a lot of things that make, their story like really hard to believe i really frankly like you can't blame the powers that be right now for like not believing his story especially when you're in a world where there is magic and it's easy to do i i assume as an adult wizard easy to do a confundus charm on someone you know that would that would be i feel like a quick easy way to convince a group of kids that you're not a murderer so it makes very easy sense in this case the confundus charm is a super easy charm because you know it because you see Hermione basically sneeze out a confundus charm in <laughs> the sixth movie when she's trying to fuck with Cormac McLaggen. She does. For the, during the Gwyneth trial, she's like, confundus. Um, it's like the easiest thing in the yeah. world. Pretty fucked up that there's uh, like basically a charm to gaslight people. Oh my god, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's also like murder charms and stuff, but it's just like every nefarious <laughs> deed you can do as a human being, there's like a, a charm for it. And it's like, well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That kind of reminds me of um in the Goblet of Fire book, it's not in the film, but like in the book, at the very beginning at the Quidditch World Cup, the, the film just does, it, they're like, we don't even have time to talk about this, but they were renting out a muggle campsite for the Quidditch World Cup. And the muggle owners of this campsite are like on the premises, literally having their memories wiped like 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 yeah. 700 times per day. And it's like, that's fucked up Man, for I a sporting event. Yeah, that's fucked. It's really fucked up, dude. It's not mm-hmm. good at all. Mm-mm. A 50 year old dude shows up in a nightgown and rain boots and is like, there's nothing to see here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's literally. Like, I think that's literally a thing. I remember that character no, that, being no, like, "I like the breeze." Yeah, no, that's yeah, that's a whole that thing. But like, you gotta think that's that's gotta have like long term effects, right? You think you think it would almost lead to like the equivalent of like early onset Alzheimer's or something? Well, okay, so like, so also book four. Not to like get into it preemptively, but like, Bertha- <laughs> it's okay. We're at the end of book three. We're basically a <laughs> so book like four. <laughs> another thing that is not covered in the movies is Bertha Jorkins, who was hit with a memory mm. spell so hard by Barty Crouch Senior uh, yeah. when she saw his son that like she just had a shit memory for the rest of her life. Right. Yeah, that's really scary. Like that that can have long term effects. Yeah, and they do this to Muggles all the time. Like, like it's literally their way of covering anything up. Yeah, that Muggles have seen. 
Yeah, we've also talked before about the effect of, like, cheering charms, because mm-hmm. um, they studied cheering charms earlier. In the- not to get... <laughs> we can't get too into the weeds, I guess, with this long-ass chapter, but, like, <laughs> cheering charms, like, is it like taking Molly and the next day you have, like, a huge serotonin dip, or is it just, like, maniacal outward smiling while, like, inside you're traumatized and dying? You know what I mean? It's just, like, what are these spells doing to these people? <laughs> yeah. There's no way to know. No. Um, I would like to hope that taking a cheering charm is like taking molly and it's at least super good while you're doing it <laughs> well that's the thing about these harry pot the whole narrative is that like science doesn't exist mm-hmm. they don't need to, or it do- they yeah. don't need to worry about science so, so anything that is like rooted in science including like psychology and just, like they don't even they don't even know about it. They, they're just like, what? The brain ha- has chemicals and hormones? Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. So, yeah, they're not they're not studying these long-term effects. Yeah, you, you just never get into, like, the mechanics of magic. Right. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. Well, we'll loop back to that, certainly. Um. So, yeah, Harry and Hermione sort of, like, leap out of bed. Ron is fucked up. Ron is out. He's yeah. done. He's been given something. Like, he's really out. Um, so they, I mean, they just start, like, r- like pretty much, like, raving, right? Like, from Fudge's perspective, they're just, like, fucking rambling. They're like, you know, Peter Pettigrew is a rat. Yeah. Black's innocent, et cetera, et cetera. So finally, Dumbledore shows up. Sometimes Dumbledore shows up and it's like, oh, God. And then sometimes Dumbledore shows up and you're like, thank God. Yeah. And this is a definitely a thank God moment because mm-hmm. it's like Fudge and Snape are not ever the two people you need to resolve an issue. No. Mm-mm. So everyone leaves and Dumbledore basically is like, yo, I believe you. Side note, I read minds just as a reminder. I just always <laughs> want to remind people that Dumbledore reads minds. So it's like, maybe if more people read minds, there would be less innocent people in jail. I don't know. Also, what an invasion of privacy, Dumbledore. What the hell? I know. I know. <laughs> Like this read through, uh, just knowing that we've we've been really cognizant of it the whole time. So like any scene with Dumbledore where he's like pulling his shit, we're just like, is he doing it right now? Is he not? Like mm-hmm. to what yeah. degree? And on the flip side, there's some moments where it's like, hey, dude, as a reminder, you can read minds. Like when Snape is in the Shrieking Shack, just refusing to believe everyone's like testimonies that he just bore witness to, and it's like. Hey, man, you can literally, you know that they're telling the truth because you can read minds. Like, why are you being <laughs> like this? It's very frustrating. Definitely something that J.K. Rolls-Mort developed later and was like, oh, yeah, they were reading minds the whole time. <laughs> this whole kind of time that Snape is arguing with Dumbledore and the kids, um, you know, he definitely seems like he's he's pushing it on them. And I, I do believe that he's like pushing this tale on them because he wants it to be true. And because he still has this grudge. But there was one line where I was like, does he does he want to believe it so badly that he is making himself kind of believe that that his his tale is true? Because he says, um, uh, Snape's supposed to be leaving with the minister and he hasn't moved. And then he says, you surely don't believe a word of black story. Snape whispered, his eyes fixed on Dumbledore's face. And I don't know if that's just him that last breath of trying to convince Dumbledore that he shouldn't believe it. But the way it's worded, it sounds very much like he's, he really is like, are you, are you seriously believing black in this case? Like he really is a little bit confused himself. 
Yeah. So something that, like, kind of occurred to me when I was, like, catching up on the chapters to read this one was, like, like, and I'm not defending Snape here, but it's not just his personal grudge against Sirius that's at work right now. Like, that's a big part of this, but it's also that he is convinced that Sirius is the reason that Lily is dead. Hmm. So like uh, that's probably a lot. Lily. Of, yeah, like <laughs> I'm so like, sick of hearing about this bitch. No, his his obsession is definitely like creepy and gross, and like I I am not defending Snape at all, but like no, I don't I think it. it's but just his... like like if you are out for vengeance for yourself, it's very different if you're out for vengeance for like someone you cared about, mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of what's driving him right now. Like he's not even going to entertain the possibility that he could be wrong. Like, he he has decided, like, this is the person who's responsible. It's not me. It's this dude who I already hated. And he's just not going to listen to any version of events other than the one that he's decided on in his head. Yeah, so he kind of has that same level of vengeance that Black does towards Peter Pettigrew in that yeah. case. They all just need to go John Wick. <laughs> I would have so much more respect for Snape if he went full John Wick on this whole situation. There were like 12 John Wicks in this one scene. <laughs> <laughs> and Lily Lily Potter is the dog. <laughs> there is a fan theory that Crookshanks is Lily Potter. Crook, okay, what is up with Crookshanks? Crookshanks yeah. has to be somebody or something or like what we need. I need to know because Crookshanks has way too much autonomy and like awareness for a normal cat. Well, he's- here's here's the thing. Caitlin, do you have cats? Like, I don't have any right person? now, but I'm a, I'm a major cat person. Yeah. Cat person. Brag. <laughs> Same. Here's what, what it is to me is is like, how do you get a cat to give even one shit about exactly. something that like doesn't have to do with them? Like, if, if there's not food involved, cats yes. do not give a single fuck about anything. So for Crookshanks in this chapter, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but like, he, like Crookshanks is protecting people and like leading people around and showing them stuff. Like it's just like, in what world would a normal house cat do that? So I think that Crookshanks. Yeah, I like this theory. Um, I don't know if it's, I don't know if I would buy that it's Lily, but I think that Crookshanks is like an animagus for somebody, some person is in there. And I, it is, J.K. Rowling has said that, um, Crookshanks is, uh, half, uh, what is the, what? Neasel. Neasel. Neasel, half Neasel, which is basically like a smart magic nice cat. Um, so, but that's, that's like, that came in the same slew of like, Dumbledore's gay like I'm like her like trying to fix stuff after the fact you right know? so I'm um, sorry I keep hitting my mic I'm not used to it being here um but yeah I I mean yeah Kirkshank's just what are your motivations seriously Sir, I can't hear the word like serious on this podcast <laughs> like I just can't do it are you being we're, serious we're black so right now? serious right now <laughs> Um, okay, so basically, Dumbledore is, like, aggressive eyebrow raising, just like, hey, Hermione, we could do with some extra time. A little more time is what we need. We could do with more. I'm giving you permission. (laughs) Um, His voice just gets higher and higher. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, like that fucking endless family guy skit where it's like you working on your book over there buddy (laughs) we just need a little bit more time yeah hermione you got some time on your hands (laughs) 
Okay, so then he is like, okay, but also you can save Sirius Black, but you can also save maybe two lives. Think about it. Bye. <laughs> Why does he speak in riddles all the time? It's just, just like, saying. be direct, Dumbledore. <laughs> They're 13. <laughs> Plausible deniability. You're already like just putting so much hope in their hands by just letting them do it in the first place when they haven't done anything like that before. And then you're also not going to tell them what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, here's the, I don't know. My husband, Himst, is 30 and an engineer and really excellent at problem solving. It's like, I still spell out every single, I'm like, hey, I need you to listen. Look into my eyes. I need to know you're listening. Here's what we're doing today. Okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. Okay, wait, but can you say it back to me? You know what I mean? It's like, why Why is he just like, hey, go figure it out. Bye. Drama. Have fun, have fun breaking the law. Yeah, drama all days. So uh, basically, Hermione's like, let's go. <laughs> also doesn't explain anything. Here's the thing is it's like, there's no time. But like, technically right now, there is time. Like, she, she could spend an hour explaining herself and then go back in time for four, four yeah. hours. Yeah, like, totally. She could there's even, no need to do it like this. She could even just reverse it three and a, three and like one quarter time. You know, like, just like five minutes yeah. extra would have helped. Yeah. You know? Um, but there's no time because we're Gryffindors. <laughs> Hermione puts has like this hourglass thing and she puts it around. It's around her neck. She puts it around Harry's neck and she flips it, turns it, Turner, time Turner, flips it backwards. And yeah, and they reappear in the entrance hall. Okay, I'm going to tell you guys a brief personal anecdote right now. <laughs> um, I occasionally go to Burns, which is like... Like Burning Man as a burn. It's like a festival where you burn something and you're like, yeah, fuck the establishment. And it's really cathartic. <laughs> and then you go back to your desk job on Monday and you did a bunch of Molly and you have a serotonin dip and it's like not good. Um, but like they're fun. It's fun in the woods. Um, okay. So my friends uh, one time gave me like my burn nickname of Tina Turner, right? Or Tina Burner. Okay, mm-hmm. Tina Burner. Mm-hmm. And I requested that it would be Tina Time Burner. <laughs> And they were like, I, I don't know what that is. Is that a Harry Potter thing? Because it always is. Well, I'm glad they could guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess that wasn't as good. I just thought it was funny in my head, I guess. Um, you may now call that. me Tina Timeburner. Can I call you <laughs> Tina for short? Yeah, call me Tina for short. Fuck God yeah. damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone already calls me that. Um, so basically, okay, they reappear in the entrance hall. It's three hours ago, but Harry doesn't... I don't know. Harry's like, the sun is weird. I don't know what's happening. I have a question. Yeah. And I knew before starting this, I was like, Mary, don't start with too many time turner questions because we don't have time for that. Literally. Um, <laughs> There's no time. <laughs> um, but so they reappear in the entrance hall. So I guess when you go back in time, it kind of puts you near where your past self was at that time. Yeah, I, I noticed that too, because I always kind of thought like, you end up where you went. Like, I. Otherwise, it's chaos. Yeah, like, my memory of this chapter was always like that she dragged him into a closet, then did the time turner, and they were in the closet where no one was going to see them or run into them. Yeah, that would be a fucking smart way to do it. it but no, she just, like, they're in the ward and then they're in the entrance hall. So I don't understand how that works. Right, you don't, this is not a space-time turner. You (laughs) don't also travel through space, you travel through time. So if, once she turns it the three times, it should just put them three hours earlier in the exact same spot 
where they are, which I think is how the movie handles it. The That's movie how the movie handles sense. it. The, the movie does a straight up rewind, which is very visually cool. I do like, you know, tune in in two weeks for our movie episode, but I do like the way that the movie does this whole thing. I like the way that Dumbledore's like, ah ha ha, and like runs away and like locks him in. And then it's like, the, it, it's like for the viewer, it's like we have to rewind the day so these 11 year olds in the audience know what is going on. And I'm 30 and I'm like, thank you. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the only thing that I can, like, suppose is, like, maybe there is, like, some kind of, like, element of, like, intentionality to help Hermione, like, get to her classes, Hmm. bop all over the school. Like, she can think about where she wants to be while she's doing it? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and, like, okay, now now I'm at Transfiguration, which is good, because I was running late. I guess that's the only solution, because it's, like, otherwise... Like, what if they hadn't even been together at that time and it had put them at two different places, you know? Right. I think I think because they're, like, connected. By uh, the, the by, necklace. Yeah, they're, like, they're both in its... <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, the intentionality, I feel like, is the... That's the first idea that I've heard that works, kind of. I've been, do- I've been toying with doing a series of bonus episodes that are, like, Porkies, what the fuck, you know? <laughs> and, like, a time turner would be, like, a good one, just, like, Time turners, like what's what the happening fuck? there? I, I feel like, <laughs> considering the way that like time turner, like time travel conversations in general tend to go, I feel like any conversation about how a time turner actually works with our friend group would end in a fist fight. <laughs> okay, well, okay, we're gonna have to select who's invited. I mean, time travel is notoriously difficult to do right, and every mm-hmm. time travel story you love has like a logical fallacy in it because that's the nature of time travel, right? Yeah. And I feel like I was even like reading something recently. <laughs> Wait, now I'm like, was it this chapter of Harry Potter? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, time travel is notoriously hard. Well, that's why I picked this chapter is because I like I'm obsessed with time travel. I love time travel movies. Uh, like, yeah, this. When I read this when I was, I don't know, whatever, 12 or 13 or something for the first time. And I was like, oh, my God, this is just like what happens in Back to the Future 2. So I was like (laughs) all jazzed about it. And it must be real. (laughs) (laughs) So, but yeah, I feel like there's just not a way to do it where you're not introducing like 40,000 plot holes into the mix. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, if there's even one time travel story where I was like, I really buy this. Everyone says that the movie Primer is like, oh my gosh, that's like the closest that you get to, like, realistic, like, scientifically viable time travel. But also that that movie makes no fucking sense. And, like, I've watched Wait, so you don't agree? Well, like, it's a boring story that, like... Is non, like it doesn't even. I don't know what the movie's about. I don't know what they're trying to do. I don't understand the rules, like the, any of the world building. Like none of it makes okay. sense to me. But so that's not like, your plug for the week. <laughs> no, that's like someone was like, I know exactly how time travel should should work. I need to put it in a story, and the rest of it they just sucked at. But they were like. I got yeah, to get this out good. there. That's that is an amazing quantity of science fiction. Is like I have this really cool conceptual idea. I'm going to create a really boring story around it. Yep. This is the hill I will die on. Is so much science fiction is so concept strong, and then everything falls before the concept, and then it's like you can't r- write a story. Also, <laughs> you have to be able to write a story within your concept. Philip K. Oh Dick. my god. 
Okay, Dick. Wow, shots fired. The most guilty of that in the entire world. Just Mm. honestly, like, you know, about 10 years ago when the dystopia wave was coming in hot on the the heels of Hunger Games, it's just like so many strong concepts just absolutely fall apart. Um, Mm. Okay. Yeah, I would like to continue to investigate the logical fallacies of the time travel physics going on in this chapter. I love thinking about the part where they're in the closet and she's kind of explaining it to Harry. Harry being Harry catches on kind of quickly. He's like kind of fine with it within like a second. (laughs) Fucking Harry. He's just like ready to go. Can you imagine if Ron had been a part of this? It would not have gone well. (laughs) I feel like he would have had so much trouble with it. Yeah. Okay. So I just finished rereading um, Percy Jackson and, and the Olympians, book number one, The Lightning Thief. And um, there's a lot of similarities between Harry Potter and Percy Jackson. And our friend Charlie did give us a PowerPoint presentation about the similarities between <laughs> these two characters. Um, shout out to Charlie. This probably isn't meaningful to anyone in this conversation. But in this chapter, really specifically, Harry was like big Percy vibes. And uh, Hermione was big Annabeth vibes because Annabeth is like the daughter of Athena, goddess of wisdom. And she's like, I have a plan and we're doing it and I'm not in a good mood about it. And Percy's always like, okay, all right, no, yeah, I'm just glad to have you here as my friend. (laughs) (laughs) And like, that's how I felt this whole chapter. Like, Harry's just like, oh, wow, you're really good at this. Like, I didn't, who are you? You're better than I thought you were. (laughs) I mean, like, that's, that's kind of the main difference between how Harry and Ron handle, like, magic problems is that, like, Ron is familiar with magic, so if he was involved in this situation, he'd be like, how do you have a time turner? Why do you have a time turner? How the fuck does this work? You know, these things are really fucking dangerous, right? Whereas with Harry, like, Harry's just happy to be included. He doesn't really, (laughs) he like, he knows that he knows nothing, so anytime crazy magic shit happens, he has no gauge for how crazy it is, because it's all crazy to him. So he's like, oh, okay, so I guess time travel's a thing. All right guess we're doing this <laughs> and I will just not question it. And Harry's a stand in for the reader. And so the reader also is like, Oh, I guess we can do that in this universe. Which like absolutely wild, especially under these circumstances where, and the, like the book tries to explain it where they're like, yeah, it was, it's was pretty weird to give a 13 year old the ability to manipulate time but it's because she's so studious and she's only going to use it to take 300 extra classes this term or whatever. And it's just like, in what world, even even the wizarding world, like, no, that is not... I like I I had such a hard time suspending my disbelief for yes. this part where I was just like they really they're giving a 13-year-old free reign over this object that manipulates time. Excuse me. <laughs> like on this reread, I'm using a lot of what I'm going to start calling legacy disbelief where it's like when I was 13 reading this, I was or like 8, I was really able to suspend my disbelief in that way cuz I was like <laughs> I'm capable of that responsibility, too. And I just have to, like, really carry that with me. You know, I have to be like, remember when this made sense to you. Okay, let's get let's get back there. Honestly, like, this read-around, I think the main thing that we've questioned with regards to Hermione and her ability to literally manipulate time is the fact that she uses it to get to her classes, but then doesn't use it to, like, take naps or, like, eat or do homework. <laughs> 
Her self-care in this book has been alarming. I hope she learned something. I think Seriously. She, she starts setting boundaries in book four, so I think that, that this has probably been a good experience for her. I mean, we don't... She doesn't use it again. There's no evidence that she ever uses it again, right? No, she drops, no. She she drops she muggle studies, and then she has, like, a normal... Uh... Muggle studies! Yeah. Hermione! Your parents are dentists! <laughs> She's like, I got that. She already dropped divination. I think she drops muggle studies and maybe one other thing. And then she has a normal course load. I think she just like is like, okay, obviously I can't handle that. I don't do well with given free reign of just academics. I need the limits of regular time in my life. And she learns that about herself. That's great. (laughs) I guess I'm going to have to obey the laws of physics. The next time that you are feeling like there's not enough hours in the day, be grateful that the the yeah. the circle of life makes you rest. I yeah, I would do that. I feel Hermione so strongly in this book because I would absolutely use it and probably kill myself with it because like when I'm driving to and from activities that I have to do, I think about all the things that I wish I could be doing while driving. It's too much. <laughs> That's why I listen to podcasts because I'm like, damn, I'm going to fucking learn something during this 20 minute drive. I do. Yeah, that's how I do. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Harry and Hermione reappear in the entrance hall three hours previously. But we can tell by the sun. Um, Hermione pulls Harry into a closet and she's not. She. No one in this book is. Expl- Remember that whole chapter where Sirius Black was like, I'm only going to murder one person tonight. And he never is like, hey, gang, I'm innocent. Yeah. <laughs> like Hermione's like. <laughs> oh, I can hear us outside. And Harry's like, what? What do you hear? Like, what is happening? <laughs> Hermione, they can. she can hear them walking past under the invisibility cloak. They're going down to Hagrid's, but they're also inside the closet. So Hermione finally is like, I was given this time-turning device for class purposes. And Harry is like, wow, Ron's gonna be really relieved to finally have his answer to that mystery. <laughs> He's been worrying about that for a long time. And that's what he would have harped on the entire time where I would have been like Hermione I can't believe you lied to us you did this from us that's all he would have cared about (laughs) it's true it's interesting because we've talked before about how um in a lot of like the Harry Potter like climax moments you have to get Hermione out of the picture they erase Hermione from the entire like probably last third of the Chamber of Secrets because she would have made it too easy. So it's interesting that in this book, it's like Ron's the one who's incapacitated because like, yeah, I think that, that yeah, going stealth mode is hard with Ron. <laughs> yeah. Ron is too, he's always clamoring about too <laughs> loudly and doesn't know how to be discreet. It's honestly the main uh, detriment with Ron in this situation, even if you like, even if he hadn't broken his leg, um, the main detriment oh, the with Ron is just his absolute willingness at any given moment to throw hands. Because like <laughs> Hermione manages to hold Harry back from fighting a few people and but like they would not have been able to hold Ron back. Like nothing can hold back the Weasley temper. Yeah. So we, <laughs> so we had to put put Ron down for the end of this book to get away from his blind rage because Hermione. Yeah, Harry's. The other thing is like Harry's polite. Even if Hermione's like not strong enough to necessarily physically hold him back, Harry's not gonna like push her aside. But like Ron might, you know, Ron might like <laughs> wrestle out of her grasp. Harry's like, okay, wait, I'm a gentleman. <laughs> you said um, in Chamber of Secrets they have to kind of erase Hermione from it because it'd be too easy. I actually kind of feel that way about this chapter as well because 
Hermione is literally the only one that's used the time turner. She's the only one that knows how it works and the rules of it. But somehow Harry ends up doing all this stuff, which drives yeah. me a little bit crazy in this chapter. Like he even, like she kind of explains it to him and he's like, then up at the door, he's the one that's like, okay, let's go. And he's like, he runs to the forest before her. I don't know why mm-hmm. that drove me crazy. He can just be faster, but that still made me nuts. And like her, her role is kind of just to hold him back. There is definitely a balance with Hermione's character where Harry's our protagonist. And so like, yes, in moments like this, he takes the lead. And yes, he takes the lead from Hermione. And that is frustrating. But at the same time, one of my favorite things about Hermione in these first few books is how bad she is under pressure. And to me, that is the only thing that prevents her from being a Mary Sue, is that she is really bad under pressure. Mm -hmm. And so it is it is like, yeah, I, I really do wish she was doing more. But also, our Hermione, who has lived as an only child of dentists for so many years and has almost never had to do anything life-threatening. It's like, yeah, she's bad under pressure. And so it is definitely both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It can be both. I maintain that one of my favorite things about Hermione is when she loses her shit, dude. She's like, I can't do this. (laughs) And I'm like, Hermione, same. Like, totally same. This this is the first book where we start seeing that. Yeah, the whole, like, last two chapters, she's just been, like, shrieking. And I'm like, I would, that is so relatable to me. It's like, (laughs) you're the brightest witch of your year, but that doesn't prepare you for anything, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, there's a murderer. Like, oh, oh, you get straight A's? Awesome. There's a werewolf, so. um, Yes, exactly. Yeah, good luck. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay, they're in the closet. They're, like, sussing stuff out. Okay, like, Harry, yeah, that, the other thing is, yeah, Harry also makes this connection that, like, Dumbledore said that we could save two lives tonight, and I think the second one is Buckbeaks, which, that to me does feel like a Hermione moment, right, of, like, figuring out the, mm-hmm. what the, what the fucking Dumbledore mysterious, like, go do the thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, what does he mean? So, so they go down to Hagrid's cabin once they realize that they're supposed to be saving Buckbeak as well. And timing is of the essence here. The (laughs) executioner party, I don't know, just like a bunch of white dudes here trying to murder a fucking hippogriff. Yeah, horse bird. With a lot of paperwork. (laughs) Yeah, lots of paperwork. Um, They show up and um, at Hagrid's cabin, they hear like themselves being like booted out of Hagrid's cabin. Um, The executioner McNair, right? Um, he peeps outside and he's like, there he is, little Buckbeak. <laughs> Tied up in the backyard, safe and sound. Um, and then and then he goes back inside because they, they're doing paperwork. They're doing like a lot of paperwork. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. To me, that almost felt like this is like a funny British like like bureaucracy good joke. But also, I guess there probably is a lot of paperwork if you're like executing a living thing. I don't know, man. <laughs> I would hope I don't so, know honestly, anything. I guess. I just couldn't know less, I think, about any subject. Like, I really don't know anything about execution. We wondered before, like, McNair, what are you doing, bud? How did you get to be the hippogriff executioner? That's a very niche job. Mm-hmm. He just, he seems to just like it. But also, at the end of it, he's the one that goes to gather the Dementors to give the kiss. They're like, right. oh, McNair Yeah, so is what is the- his job description? He's just sort of like a terrifying beast uh, wrangler. Yeah. <laughs> slash executioner. I hate, yeah, I don't know. He Okay, so he formally works for the department for the disposal of magical creatures. So I don't... Why is that a whole department? I don't know. Yeah, it's a whole department. <laughs> it's really weird. It's really weird. So... 
Um, so Harry goes out to get Buckbeak. It has to be Harry because Buckbeak knows Harry and has has bowed unto Harry before. So <laughs> Harry's like, oh no, this is the worst time to have to bring out my like Victorian era manners. <laughs> He's like, hello, fine gentlemen. Fancy meeting you in this pumpkin patch. Would you like to come on a promenade with me into the woods? <laughs> um, Buckbeak resists. Okay, to me, Buckbeak is 0% cat, but like Buckbeak to me has big cat energy. Does anyone else feel the More same so way? More so than Crookshanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Buckbeak is just like preening his feathers and he's like, like doesn't really care me? that he's about to die. Yeah. He's like, why should I come with you? I mean, I, who was it that compared Hagrid to Joe Exotic? Like replace, replace <laughs> any, replace Buckbeak in, in this whole thing with a tiger. And it's, it's exactly the same. It's a flying tiger. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Yes. Wow. Flying tiger. Another pet that Hagrid would have a flying tiger. <laughs> a flyger. Um, <laughs> So they do manage to get Buckbeak to come <laughs> with them. <laughs> I'm sorry, like, sorry. Delayed? All I'm all I'm picturing now is like the scene from the movie where uh, where Draco was rolling around on the ground with like his arm bleeding and just like Hagrid being like, "I'm never going to financially recover from this." Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait. We made that meme. Someone said that. Someone has made that exact same joke on this podcast, and I made a meme of it already, Haley. So that proves your genius if you conceived great, of the same meme. As someone. Like whoever you are. I thought it was Haley who did that in the first place. <laughs> I've been known who to knows? make the same joke multiple times, so honestly, who can say? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So what's happening? Okay, they get Buckbeak into the woods, and they hear here's here's what tells me that McNair is a bad person. McNair is so enraged that he's not able to behead a living creature that he like frustratedly swings his axe into like a stump or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you're a bad person. Yeah, into some in the fence and someone else's personal property. It was it, it was into the fence. Does the text say yeah, that? Yeah, it's a, I think swung so. it into the fence. Okay, that's even more fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> that didn't make it into my nose, but that's super fucked up. Like, that Hagrid is- probably <laughs> built that fence with his hands. <laughs> um, yeah, and Hagrid's really happy. Okay, get ready for it. Okay. Get ready for how happy Hagrid is. It's it's okay. hell yeah. So so the they're just waiting in the woods. I God, I really do remember reading this. I remember reading this and being like, I can't believe I am doing this again. Like little eight year old me, like we are literally like in the woods watching ourselves, just like mind blown. Um, so they they watched themselves go to the Whomping Willow, right? The whole Scabbers debacle and like the fucking serious attacking them full dog mode and like. Then then Lupin comes racing out. Harry wants to go grab the invisibility cloak that he dropped previously, but Hermione stops him because because J.K. Rowling is not prepared to confront the realities of what that would mean for the space-time continuum if, like, <laughs> things get displaced. It's like, Hermione's here to make sure I don't have to write that scene, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. That's her role this entire time, really. <laughs> so then Hagrid... Drunk and happy, he goes up to the castle. Ding, ding, ding. Drunk teacher count. <laughs> We've been counting drunk teachers. Oh, wait, hold on. Let me go to moviennightcrewnetwork.com where we have our tally. Click on the restricted section. Check out our website. It's pretty cool. I designed it myself. <laughs> okay, our drunk teacher count. With this drunkenness, Hagrid is up to four drunken appearances. Damn. Nice. He is still leading... McGonagall has been drunk once and Trelawney still only question marks. We can't be sure. <laughs> Hagrid is still clearly in the lead of drunk teachers. 
If Trelawney's anything at this point in the proceedings, it's high. No, it's for sure. I think opium is what we all agree oh, yeah. on. <laughs> that uh, the sickly 100%. sweet smell in in her room that's draped opium in den. Like, gauze. Yeah, it's it's an opium yeah, den. It looks like an when, opium den. When I hear the words opium den, I what I envision is pretty much Professor Trelawney's classroom where she educates minors. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so then then Snape goes, right? He grabs the invisibility cloak, he goes into the Weeping Willow's uh, roots. I almost had the bowels of the Weeping Willow, which is disgusting. Whomping. Um, we don't enter bowels here, but yeah, it's womp. It's whomping. Um, okay, so then they wait. They are just still waiting. <sighs> this really, this felt so long to me as a kid. Like, this... This felt like it took forever. And I think it does take like almost the same number of like pages as the chapters that it is covering, you know? Like it's really crazy. Well, it begs the question why wouldn't Hermione turn the time turner in the other direction and just skip over the part where they know they have to wait? Okay, wait, I do I do have maybe an answer. Okay. It can't fit around Buckbeak's neck. Oh, that's a good call because in reality, if you picture just the two of them, Harry and Hermione, their faces have to be so close. Well, the movie makes it stupid. The movie's like, this is a cute little charm, and now it is a belt. And it's like, it was so long. It would have been down to her knees, I feel like. The thing is that, like, it doesn't have to be that way. Like, I have a necklace that is, like, more or less a time turner that was gifted to me by my friend Ani. And, like, it's a long necklace. Like, it rests in a, like, a a between the tit situation. (laughs) And, like, I think I could literally get that around someone else's head. And I just don't understand, like, why not? in a movie just get the one prop and make it work like why why are you using like all these different chain lengths i don't know yeah. like we can see what you're doing hey, movie movie <laughs> necklace chains never make a goddamn bit of sense like anytime someone wants to dramatically take off a necklace yes! they rip it and it's like yes! okay how do you get it back on how do you get it back <laughs> yes! on have you ever actually broken like the chain of an actual necklace it's infuriating mm. um mm-hmm. wait oh the last time i was at mary payton's house i didn't tell you this but i fixed it so it doesn't matter but your dog broke <laughs> my necklace Aww. a la pocahontas and cocoum <laughs> um but i fixed it so like now i can tell you that I'm that so yeah hawkins sorry. broke my necklace he's in big trouble i was the one who was on the ground like puppy so like really that was all me but um yeah yes, you can't no, do that with him yet you cannot do that with him <laughs> he's a big baby pit bull i love him um okay so necklace aside Okay, so they're just in the woods, and Harry's like, this feels like a great time to tell you that I think I saw my dad. <laughs> and Hermione's like, hey, bud, um, cool theory. Just as a reminder, your dad is dead. I hate that she says that so much. <laughs> I hate it. Well, what else are you supposed to say? There, there really is no other way to phrase it. She could have just said, like, that's Harry, I don't think that happened. Or Harry, that sounds impossible. She doesn't have to okay. like be like, here's your dad why. Is dead. Believe it or not, your father is dead. And that's just <laughs> not possible. <laughs> okay, I guess you're right. Like, I, I'm having a hard time believing the I statements, right? Like, I'm having a hard time <laughs> figuring out how that I feel work. like your father is dead. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm interested to hear your perspective. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, he thinks the Patronus that he saw was cast by his dad because it took the shape of a deer, like a giant well, deer. Well, he didn't see what it was. It's He, he saw, didn't. Okay. He, he saw the face and it seemed familiar. Yeah. yeah okay. He was like, huh, I've seen that dude before. <laughs> That's so fucking funny because like, okay, here's the thing. If you saw your damn self, would you be like, oh, that's myself? Or like, what would, I would probably be like, that bitch looks exactly like me. Okay. Like, I don't know what Have I would think. Have you ever had the experience of like walking into a lot of restaurants do this, um, where there's like a wall that is low key, a mirror, and it takes you yes. a second to realize, yes. like you think the room is twice as big as it is. And then you're walking, you're like, huh, that person is moving exactly the speed I'm moving. At. They look a lot like me. And oh, shit. <laughs> um, it's really funny because I don't remember where we were, but I like watched that exact thing happened to my beloved husband, Sean, recently, like, at a public institution. I don't remember where we were, but I saw the whole thing in his head. I saw him be like, what's over there? Wait, what's going on? Oh, th- oh, oh, that's a wall. That's a wall. That's a wall with a mirror. And I was like, my sweet, tender baby. Um, okay, that that is probably a good way of describing it, where it's like, whoa. And then you're like, oh, 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 me. Um, okay, so finally they see themselves come back out. It's cra- whatever the amount of crazy that it is to know that like you're getting you're like fighting in a different place right now like that's crazy, mm-hmm. um, but they see themselves come back out. They see Lupin go rigid in the moonlight. So we had speculated in a previous chapter about like does Lupin need moonlight to turn into a werewolf, and if so, why not just go into the dungeons? Here's a logical fallacy, and I was like maybe it's just the timing, maybe it's just the right time of night, and the moon comes out, and it's like oops, it's eleven, I'm a werewolf now. But this chapter makes it exceedingly clear when Lupin runs out, the text is like the moonlight was covered by the clouds. And so like he wasn't affected and it didn't make him a werewolf. So there's like a lot of questions there about like, why not just like fucking draw the curtains, dude? And then you like won't become a werewolf. Yeah. Right. But but it's explained earlier that like every month he turns into a werewolf and he just like hides in his office. And like he, or before that, when he was like a teenager, he would turn into a werewolf no matter what but right the that part makes it seem like he needs exposure to the moonlight so there's there's some dissonance there it's like a weird detail to include when you could just not include it and be like it is just because it's the full moon you know yeah Mm -hmm. it's like you have created your own plot hole congratulations Also, um, why did they chain him to... No, why did no they I sh- can't even get started on the chain. Okay. <laughs> no, it's, it was a bad idea. It was a bad the idea all thing around. I've ever heard. Why, that never never works in anything. Any any form of media or story where they chain someone, a bad guy to a good guy. Yeah, never no. works. Here's, here's the question is, okay, they're in the Shrieking Shack in the previous chapter, or I think actually... I don't really remember. Yeah, the chapter before. Um, they're in the Shrieking Shack, and they're like, Peter Pettigrew is a human now. We're not going to kill him. We need to serve justice. We need to get him up to the castle. How would you make sure that Peter Pettigrew got back up to the castle? Stun him. Like, if you're not going to kill him, <laughs> there's a spell uh, for that. Just stun him and, like, float him out with Snape. Crushed it. I asked, and you answered. <laughs> I would stun him, make him turn back into a rat on him and then hold him tightly as a rat put him in a cage yeah Mm. in your jacket 
put them in your jacket. Okay. My I friend used to carry t- their rat in their jacket. I don't know why they have to wear it. <laughs> it didn't make any sense. <laughs> I think the stun them is all we really need because Snape is incapacitated okay, during this. Like Snape is pretty, we got him. We got Snape, <laughs> which is like, you don't need to have that guy, but it, we got him because he's unconscious, you know? So it's like, yeah, they really made a lot From of... From like a, an Expelliarmus charm, I feel like. Yeah. They didn't even like do a charm that knocks someone out. They're just like... Uh, you're it was a it was a triple just, entendre triple right. expelliarmus <laughs> and that really does the trick <laughs> um i think it was brooke and if it wasn't i'm sorry to whoever actually said this but i think it was brooke who said like why doesn't why don't harry ron and hermione make the triple expelliarmus like a thing you know like in a pinch <gasps> we'll we'll all just disarm them and they'll fucking go on coach. Hey, man, yeah they just nothing... be three two one and then yeah. boom <laughs> nothing nothing knocks you out like a three-way man i also like love the image of like they're in a they're in like a confrontation and like imagine that you're in a confrontation with like three people who are like all on the same team and they just start counting down and you're like (laughs) that's what i was thinking what's going on (laughs) i would run so fast yeah yeah for sure so um okay so there 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 he is lupin in the moonlight he's going rigid just get him a fucking umbrella, dude. Like, if that's what this is. <laughs> Just a parasol. Um, <laughs> a parasol. Um, okay, so Harry wants to go grab Peter Pettigrew, but Hermione's like, no, we can't interfere. And then Harry's like, wait, we need to go. And Hermione's like, wait, we can't interfere. And Harry's like, no, we're in we're in danger. We're in actual danger. There's a werewolf. <laughs> She's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I do, you know, not not to keep harping on the movie, but we will be covering the movie in two weeks. But um, like I do like the way that the movie added a little bit of werewolf drama. Mm-hmm. Makes it more visual, makes it more cinematic. More visual, more cinematic, and like, yeah, it's yeah. We are, I, oh, you're in danger. <laughs> and I like that they added those two moments of um, I don't know what to call like past Harry and Hermione and current. Harry and Hermione, I guess that's it. But um, like two <laughs> incidents where they actually do help each other and you don't realize it until you see them go back in time. So when in the movie... Don't talk to me about The Rock. The Rock, okay. <laughs> don't like, talk to me about The Rock. I still think that's cool. Like this like little... Because you see it happen in the regular timeline and you're like, what is that? But it, you forget about it. And then the same thing mm-hmm. happens with the howling that happens that drags looping away that saves yes. save serious yes okay i so i like that one mm-hmm. okay although i don't really believe when you meow at your cat it knows you're not fucking a cat yeah, right? like, I, I, I think lupin would be like that's not a werewolf but like i like that one better i think the rock was sloppy writing like i think they could have done the same thing more slightly yeah the, the movie does make this whole thing like more uh like like uh entwined. what am i trying to say it, entwined exactly yeah. i was, I was I, my brain was like weaving weaving together the past mm-hmm. and the future um what i don't like what i don't like in the movie oh my god what i don't fucking like is when hermione's like oh, is that what my hair looks like from the back and almost like blows their whole cover she yeah. doesn't give a shit she knows her hair looks like shit dude <laughs> that really upsets me <laughs> They're like, what's something funny that Hermione could say right now? Uh, what something if she about was just her like hair, an man. idiot? Yeah, I hear you know it. how hear women so. be, girls and women be obsessed with how they look. Yeah, maybe she pulls out some lip gloss right now, and, <laughs> <laughs> and they can smell it on the wind. That being said, if I did suddenly see myself from behind, I probably would be like, oh, 
<laughs> oh, that's me. Oh, no. <laughs> like, I, like, if it was me, I would just be like, oh, I need to fix my posture. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, it would be... Mo- Let's all say what would surprise us from behind. <laughs> oh, God. I think for me, I would be like, I would be like, oh, wait, that ass is really fat. Like, I didn't know it was like that. No, for me, it really would just be like my posture and the fact that my knees bend backwards. I would just be like, I look like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. No one can really tell that your knees bend backwards. I've noticed that because we're close friends, but like, it's not obvious. Really? Because Willow uh, used to point it out incessantly when we were children, so. That's mean. That's mean. That's mean of her. Yeah. (laughs) I don't agree. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so they're in werewolf danger. So they go back to Hagrid's cabin. I do love how, like, confused. I I like how complex. This is, like, the third time we've been to Hagrid's cabin tonight. You know what I mean? Like, it's really, it's getting to be, like, like, a lot to keep track of. Hagrid's cabin is, like, base in a game of manhunt. Yes! Wait, can you imagine playing manhunt on the Hogwarts grounds? That'd be amazing. I'm in the Whomping Willow. Come get me, bitch. But also they have a hippogriff in tow this entire time, too. And this hippogriff That's is just like, That they bring into Hagrid's yeah. house. How does it fit into his little cabin? I don't know how, but it has been in his house previously. Mm. Okay. There's like a line earlier in the book where they're talking and it's like, it's like, oh, people get really crazy about their pets sometimes. Hagrid says that. And then like behind him. Buckbeak is like eating a ferret on his bed or oh, yeah. something like oh, yeah. that. And it's like, okay, Hagrid. I, I think we think of Hagrid's hut as being small because it's termed as a hut, but it is to scale. Oh, yeah. Hagrid fits in it. Yeah. Cause so, like, he's right. huge. So, I guess it's like it's him and a large dog and one other large animal can fit in there. So, like, it can't be that small. <laughs> he made sure there was room for one more large animal. I, have you ever, pe- <laughs> like, what is what is Fang? A boarhound? Have a you ever boarhound, seen, like, a gigantic dog. Yeah. Have you ever seen a dog of, like, that size? Like, one of the ones that, like, if they get up on their hind legs, they're taller than you. Their head is bigger than your head. Like, mastiffs, they're <laughs> terrifying. They're adorable, but they're dogs. terrifying. I love her. Like Nana from Peter Pan. Yes. Yeah. I fucking love Nana. Um, Okay. 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 So Hermione and Buckbeak are like safely in Hagrid's hut. And Harry's like, I'm not even lying. Don't worry about it. But like, we need to know what's going on. I'm going to go see what's going on. And boy, howdy, does he go see what's going on. So he's like, I'm going to see who conjured that Patronus. So he goes out to the Dementors. No, he doesn't go out to the Dementors. He goes out to watch the Dementors from a safe distance. <laughs> They're like, um, he's watching himself, right? Like down by the lake. The Dementors are like approaching. They're trying to trying to kiss him. <laughs> hey, uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> um. Okay. Okay. And he's like. Where's the person who's gonna do the Patronus? They should be like near me, maybe. Like who's who's this person? And so like, but nothing happens. So finally, he's like, Daddy, he's like, Daddy, where are you? Where are you? Daddy, it really is like a Daddy. genuinely like like such a sad moment where like he's thinking like, all right, whoever it was, whoever it was, and then like as it starts getting down to the wire, he's like, come on, Dad, come on, Dad. Like, I know, I know. It's, it's like really the one moment we ever see him like like have that little bit of hope that maybe they're still out there. Mm-hmm. I know. It is really sad, but but I think that that really makes what happens next like even stronger. Is he's like he's like okay, the heartbreak of realizing that it's not my dad doesn't matter right now. Like it was fucking me, dude. I love 
I love when a character is like, it's fucking me. I'm like, it's, I'm the only one. I'm here. Like, because no one else is going to fucking do it. Like, I love that. I mean, it's echoed in the seventh book when he is like, I have to die in order. No! I'm sorry, but it, it really is echoed and he does it so quickly. Like, this moment, like, was just mind blowing reading it the first time because she really does kind of build it up. Like, okay, we know he's dead, but Harry just saw him and Peter Predigrew came alive after all. Like, came alive, quote unquote. No, I know what you're and then, It's like a lot of things, impossible things are happening right now. Yeah, and a lot of that group comes back. And so it makes you at least question it. And then this part happens and it's only one small paragraph between when Harry thinks it's his dad and when he acts. Yeah. It like Gryffindor. happens so Gryffindor's quickly. Act. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so confession time. I listen to this on audiobook, which I think I cry more easily when things are being delivered unto me. When I'm like reading something about like the brain work, it's like it's harder for me to cry. I, I do still cry when I read certain books, but I cried twice during this chapter <laughs> mm-hmm. as it was being read unto me by some delightful woman on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, I cried in this moment because Harry, because of all that we are talking about, Harry rising from the disappointment of realizing it's not his father and then realizing that it's it's him, right? Like that that's so meaningful. My mom actually, this is her favorite moment to talk about in the books. She's read them like 20 times and she only started reading them like three years ago. As a reminder, Mary Peyton's mom was on the podcast for um, one of the first, one of the first, I think the Burrow, because we were like, yeah. Mrs. Weasley, mom, mom, mom. It was mom, a mom energy. Chapter. Yes. So mm-hmm. go back to the Burrow episode of Chamber of Secrets if you want a reminder about how dope Mary Peyton's mom is. Yeah. Um, but she loves this moment because she, she really sees it as when Harry goes from being literally from a boy to a man because he literally pictures his father in that place. He he sees that an adult wizard is delivering this Patronus and saving who he needs to save and saving himself. And then he literally steps into those shoes and makes it happen. And she and and that's she theorizes that that's kind of why the books also become more adult at this point as well. Right? Our our boy. I know. That's my boy. No longer a boy. <laughs> Not, yet, Not a yet a woman. Okay, yes. That's <laughs> oh, my mom it. for that one. So good. <laughs> um, yeah, it is really powerful. It's really powerful. Just boys and dads. <laughs> dads and boys. Just dads and boys. <laughs> um, fucking James Potter, dude. I really, I really would also like an episode, a bonus episode. It's just like James Potter. What's going on there? You know, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Because like there is so much about him that is like so powerful, but like also he was like a straight up jackass. Well, he's he's an interesting character because you get like one glimpse of him like for one day when he was fifteen and sucked, and then like everything else that you know about him is from when he was like twenty to twenty two. Yeah, he was young when he had a baby, got married, and then died. Yeah. (laughs) Like, he was young as hell. So, like, he apparently had a whole lot of character development in between, like, 15 and 20, which, like, good for him. But, like, I want to know about, like, him him and Lily and, like, Sirius and everyone, like, during the Order of the Phoenix days. Like, I want to see, like, uh, like, James and Lily apparently stood up to Voldemort, like, three times before he killed them. That was part of the prophecy. Like, I want to see that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Okay. 
Where are we? Uh, oh, we're the, by the uh, uh, Harry just cast his Patronus. Harry casts his Patronus. He saves his life. He saves Hermione's life. He saves Sirius Black's life. And he finally understands that this was his Patronus. And it takes the form of his father. Prongs the stag. A deer. <laughs> and then the Patronus comes back to him. And they kind of just look at each other and they're like, what up? And then he disappears. <laughs> he like reaches for it and it vanishes just before he can touch it. Mm. And we're all fine. <laughs> we're all fine with it. <laughs> we're all totally okay with all of the missed opportunities of fatherhood in this book. <laughs> and we're not gonna cry. Wait, the next time I the next time I said I cried twice in this chapter, and the next time is also an instance of a missed opportunity of fatherhood. <laughs> Uh, I wish there was like some mom action going on right now we really need some mom vibes honestly just like any female other than Hermione just like nagging him to do nothing in this chapter I agree that we need like like a mom heavy like arc for Harry but like this is a dad's book like this is like dad's dad this is dad's on dad's on dad's this reminds me of when I was young and my dad would host like poker night and like all his buddies would be over and they'd be drunk, but I didn't know it because I was like eight and I would like go downstairs to the poker table and they would think I was like the funniest, smartest person. And like they would all be like so having such a good time, like laughing. And like that's what that's like the closest thing I can relate to like the marauder situation is my dad's like poker nights, you know, like big dad energy. <laughs> so Harry goes back to Hermione and he's like, no big deal. <laughs> That was me. <laughs> he probably was like, part, I don't want to brag, part, it wasn't my dad, don't like, worry, I'm not oh, going I crazy. I feel so silly. Oops, <laughs> yeah, I like, love, oh, why did I think it was my dad? That was, I'm embarrassed. Yeah, he, they haven't been friends long enough, and he's not quite old enough to get to that place where it's like, you can tell your best friends anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, literally anything. Like, I have this weird bump on my vagina, can you look at it? You know what I mean? Like, we, like, we all get there. But he's not, he, like, he doesn't understand, like, friendship still. He's, like, still learning it. Um, okay, so they, together, Harry and Hermione, they fly on Buckbeak up to the tower room. Dumbledore gave them the number. He, of, he gave, he's, he like, counting. He gave them, like, a window number. Which, like, I've never... Like, you see... Why do you know that? Like, you also see this in, like, like, uh, spy thrillers or whatever of, like, there's a sniper on the 34th floor, like, sixth window from the right. I'm like, how in the fuck do you know where the 36th floor is? Like, are you fucking serious right now? (laughs) Yeah, I just want to see the part where someone goes, okay, one two three and just like counts all the way up to, like especially while flying upwards on a wild animal yes mm-hmm. here's the thing our beloved co-worker grace lives in an apartment complex on the first floor and there's i would say like maybe six to eight doors in a row that all look the same maybe six to eight and like i i never know which door it is i always have to get her to come out and get me you know so it's like that's a lot that's a lot. If they just like sat outside and shouted for Sirius to come get them. <laughs> <laughs> Stick your head out. <laughs> um, it also reminds me of, okay, so Haley and Mary Payne and I all work in the publishing industry. And um, it kind of reminds me of when you get to the design phase of a book 
and the book is like in a PDF format and it has all of the lovely accoutrements and like we're trying to get it to look like an actual book. If you have any corrections to make, like you need to provide the designer with like the page number, the paragraph number and the line number. And it's a lot of very tedious counting and people pretty consistently like get it wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. They pretty pre- pretty consistently they get it really wrong and it's like, "Oh, you don't know how to count." So like I'm I'm shocked basically is what I'm saying is that Harry and Hermione got to the right window. Totally. So I'm like stalling because this was real. I don't know why this was so hard for me, but they get Sirius Black and they go up to like the tower and they're like, you need to go. And Sirius is clearly trying to stall. He's like, he, to me, it's like, it's really evident that he wants the moment to be longer and grander. He's really in awe of Harry, who in this moment is so reminding him of James. And he just, he is like, I've been in prison for 12 years. Like, at all costs, I will, like, speak to you in this moment. And Harry's like, fucking go, dude. Book Sirius is, like, desperate for what movie Sirius got. Yes, for sure. Like, in the movie, they have that, like, long conversation about, like, oh, you're so much like your parents and they live in here and, like... Like, th- there's none of that in this. They're it's just, just like, like you go, need go, to go, leave. go. Yeah. There's no time. There's no time. I will write you a letter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no time. It's not like I have a time turner or anything. Um, <laughs> Don't tell him. <laughs> He's going to want to borrow it. <laughs> Even in the previous, like in the previous chapter when they, when he's talking about how he thought Harry could possibly come live with him and he's, it's so awkward and it's, it's really just rereading this book I haven't done in a while to be honest um and I really forgot how short that is like and I I don't know it was even more awkward for me reading it now because they really didn't have any time talking and then he's like you could come live with me and Harry's like yes yeah for sure that was so quick that was like you two like an hour ago you thought he was a murderer who was going to kill you and then suddenly he's like, do you want to come, I don't know, live with me? <laughs> okay, vice versa. Maybe Harry is crazy. <laughs> like, like Sirius Black doesn't know what he's taking on either. He has That's no experience true. with child care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really, okay, so I was, okay, here's the thing. As I told you, I was listening to, to like, the audio of this being read to me. I'm not going to say audiobook because I do, there are one million lovely people on YouTube who would love to read Harry Potter to you. I just want to make that exceedingly clear. Um, and I was listening to this be read to me, and, like, right at this moment, Sean called me. My husband, Sean, like, called me, and I answered because he was, like, on his way home from work, and I was like, do, what, do you need some, like, logistically, do you need information from me about dinner or my whereabouts, you know? Like, and he was like, hey, like, you like, some Amazon stuff came from you today, and he was just, like, bullshitting, and I was like... <laughs> How dare you? I was being really short with him. (laughs) I was like, I need to go. Harry and Sirius are having a moment. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's just really, it's really sad because they're both so alone in this world. There is simply nothing about Sirius Black that does not absolutely break my heart every single time I read this series. I know, you've said before that he reminds you of your own dad. Yeah, in a lot of ways. A lot of really depressing ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he doesn't remind me of my own. My dad would probably look at Sirius Black and be like, I'm cooler than that guy, but he's not. <laughs> yeah, it's just like you want them both to have happiness. And like, and yet 
at the end of this chapter, Sirius Black is like flying away from Harry and like their happiness is growing ever distant. And and the problem hasn't really been solved. Like Sirius yeah, Black isn't cleared. And I mean, Harry knows now and they know now, but really not that much has changed. Having Dumbledore on your side is really meaningful, but mm-hmm. but it doesn't change like the law, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's even a, Dumbledore said like their story is not believable enough. You know, yeah, as- Dumbledore <laughs> Dumbledore was like <laughs> uh fucking Dumbledore, dude. I don't even know where that sentence was going. He's <laughs> just like I'm gonna write this, but I ain't gonna tell anybody about it. <laughs> I just okay. Not to keep harping on the time turner thing, but let's do it. Let's do it. Cause honestly we got through this chapter a lot faster than I thought. If this time turner exists, and it seems like multiple of them exist, and yes, there's yes. probably like a lot of regulations around the use of them. But if you're gonna if Dumbledore allows it to be used to kind of exonerate these two people who are or like this person and then this animal that were about to be like executed why then wouldn't what like wh- where the, where's the limit like why wouldn't you just use <laughs> right. the time turner to prevent buckbeak from ever attack- attacking malfoy yes why wouldn't you use it to prevent voldemort from killing a bunch of people for, like- for a moment there caitlin you were like what 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 and it's like yes that's how we all <laughs> yeah it's like yeah i mean why not go all the way back to the beginning and I just, like, kill Voldemort when he was a baby? Right. <laughs> I think that... Right, it's the whole Hitler argument. Um, <laughs> as much as I love time travel and time travel stories, it's too science fiction to be in a fantasy narrative like Harry Potter. It just, like, introduces this weird thing that I feel like doesn't have any place in it. So They're it just, not, like... like- scientifically prepared to handle like the implications of the time turn the narrative is yeah right and like i feel like i feel like like when uh when time turners kind of like come back a little bit in book five like they're they see that whole room of of them like they're kept in the department of mysteries so it definitely seems like wizards also don't really understand them like it seems mm-hmm. like they figured out how to util. It's like nuclear energy. Like they figured out how to utilize this thing before they really had the means to control it. And now they're just like, all right, we're, we can use a little time travel as a treat, but we're not going <laughs> to fuck with anything major. So like, I think Hermione's time turner probably only works like by hours. If she tried to go back like full days, I think it would probably like fuck up. Because, like, it seems See, to be based on how big they are, because there are some that are huge and some that are small. Yes. I What you're saying is for sure true, but, like, the, your analogy is insane to me. Because if it's, like, like you said, quote, like nuclear energy, it's like, yeah, we do in our society have scientists who know a lot about nuclear energy and, like, work on that. They know a lot about it. They're putting themselves at risk, You experimenting with this thing that we, like, don't know a lot about. And it's like... Would you hand it to a 13-year-old? <laughs> the wizards the don't give a fuck about child safety. We've established this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I am trying to get better about remembering the fact that Hermione's birthday is in September. So I think she's technically 14. Not oh, that well, that makes, that makes, makes all the difference. Oh, oh, <laughs> she's just like fine. a little, she's just a little mature, you know. <laughs> but also, like, it's weird to me, too, that the 
I feel like it's a little too easy how time travel is kept to these certain tools called time turners. Because most magic, you would think that someone has figured out some sort of magical spell with their wand to affect yeah. time in some way. Because they can certainly mm-hmm. do that with, with space and with, you know, everything else. They can do it with, like, like I would argue that they literally can do that to some extent on, like, okay, so what I'm thinking of is at the beginning of The Half-Blood Prince, when Dumbledore and Harry go to try to convince Slughorn to come to Hogwarts, and they find him in this, like, obliterated home because he's trying to, like, make them think that, like, he's been attacked or whatever, he's not there. And, like, Dumbledore, with a swish of his wand, sets everything right. And to me, that is like a form of time travel. It's like what you did, but backwards, you know? And it's like, yeah, where are the boundaries? Yeah, I mean, some someone definitely would have figured out how to do something with time with a wand. Yeah, I agree. And also like a, even just like an obliviate spell, like erasing someone's memory, that is like a form of like, time travel is a strong word, but like undoing the past, you know? Right. Yeah, there's too <laughs> there are too many <laughs> mm-hmm. there's not enough limitations to what these wizards can do. More more rules to the world. That's what I say. <laughs> yes. This is what we call a soft magic system. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think you're right, Caitlin, in that like it's it's weird to have like it's either science rules or magic rules. And I feel like yes. time travel really mixes the two. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't work, really. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. It, it is this overlap where it's like, what are you doing? What mm-hmm. are you doing? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, we've some of our chapters that are three pages long go on for like two and a half hours. So like, I'm pretty proud of us, first of all. Girls, get it done. <laughs> um, does anyone else have anything about this chapter that they want to figure out before we <laughs> attempt to, before we uh, move on to wrap it up? Let's talk about time travel. <laughs> Yeah, we haven't covered that yet. <laughs> wait, Deja, wait, I'm having the weirdest case of deja vu. Or is it? Or is it? I mean, do we want to talk any? Okay. Do we want to talk any more about Hermione in this chapter? Or have we said kind of all there is to say about we're just like a little disappointed? I mean, I, I thought about it a lot. I was really disappointed. In, like that it even ends with her being afraid of flying. Yeah. And really yeah. not doing anything, not even counting the, not even finding the window, you know, just. Yeah. Not figuring out that Buckbeak is like the second life to save. Like she, she does nothing but nag in this chapter. And that's disappointing mm-hmm. for a chapter called Hermione's Secret. She's very disappointing. She doesn't lead any of the action in this other than literally spending the time turner. And but, yeah, but that's it. She literally and doesn't it, even make it run to the Forbidden Forest first. That drives me crazy. <laughs> that one thing really fucked you up. <laughs> and in the movie, you know, I know this isn't the movie, but in the movie we were talking about how it was kind of cool that they added the werewolf drama, but, like, Harry also is in charge of that scene. Like, Harry bodily protects her from the werewolf, and it's like, that's not how werewolves work. You're both going to be attacked by a werewolf. Like, yeah, I wish that Hermione... Especially because, like, I I really understand that in the last couple chapters, Hermione's been, like, fucking under pressure and not coping. And, like, I really respect it because she manages to, like, manically whip out the werewolf reveal. She, like, she plays her part even though she's, like, not managing the pressure well. But it's, like, they really do just, like, 
they like the re- the narrative reels her all the way back in for this chapter. Yeah. And yeah. she could she could have done a lot more. Yeah, I do think that like part of Hermione's character is that like she is more of a rule follower than Harry and Ron. She just has more inherent trust and authority because she's you know, she wasn't grow. She didn't grow up abused, and she didn't grow up with siblings. So she's just like, "What do you mean? Authority figures are always right and fair." Um, and she's been like more and more uh, like letting go of that. But especially with the time turner thing, like I'm sure that McGonagall beat it into her head and has been beating yes. it into her, into her head. Like there are rules with this; you do not break them. So like yes. I do understand why. Like for this chapter, she needed to be like, "No, absolutely not. We cannot be seen." She needed to be like the the person who explains the limitations of like the immediate thing that's allowing them to do this. But I do fully agree with you, Mary Payton, that like she could have been the one to figure out that like they need to save Buckbeak. She could have uh, like figured out where the window was. Like she could have had more of an active role here. It almost feels like this chapter, like what the movies do to Ron all the time, the movies take Ron's smart and give it to Hermione. It almost feels like this chapter took all of Hermione's smart and gave it to Harry. And the bottom line is that if Harry had a time turner and did not have Hermione, this chapter would have been really similar. And that's very sad. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested. How how much have you noticed? Because it's been a really long time since I've gone back and read any of the books, except for this chapter, obviously. How often does that happen where... Hermione kind of gets sidelined or isn't allowed to influence the action or like because I feel like there's there are examples where like she figures things out yeah but there's definitely moments so like I the ones I really note are obviously the climaxes of these books so Mm -hmm. in the Sorcerer's Stone for example they're going through the different gambits gauntlets not wait gambits queen's gambit i chess the chess thing gauntlets they're going through the gauntlets to get Mm -hmm. to the sorcerer's stone and when they get to like the potion room which is not a movie thing that's a book thing only it gives her the agency right and she's like i need to go back because there's only enough potion for one person to go forward and one person to go back. And so I'm not prepared for what's on the other side of that. So like you, I figured out this math. I know that this is the potion that you need to take to go. She really handles that. Mm-hmm. Harry's like, okay, okay. I, okay. I'll go on. Um, and like in chamber of secrets, it's like, they take her out of the, out of the running. They're like, you're petrified now, but like, she still saves the day. By being like, it's pipes, it's in my the paper mm. in my hand, mm. you should have seen mm. it sooner, pipes. So really, this is the first time that the mm. narrative, I think, has been like, this is Hermione's chapter, and then like, really failed us. Right. Okay. Yeah. That is very disappointing. In the same book where she bitch slaps Malfoy. So disappointing. <gasps> I know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I'm like, how do we end this cheerfully? There's nothing cheerful right now. It's really like literally Sirius Black is alive. And like, I guess we're happy about that. <laughs> Flying away into the sunset. Are y'all ready to move on to some plugs? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, because of your enthusiastic response, Haley, you get to go first. Joke's on you. I have something. Um, Good for you. I am going to plug uh, Shadow and Bone. It's on Netflix. Uh, I have not read the book series it's based on, but it's one of those shows that like makes you want to read it. Um, it's a really well done fantasy story. It, it's very typical YA of like, girl, girl find out she's special with magic thing. <laughs> um, girl chosen one. But like, it's, 
I will say that, like, one of its main strengths is that, like, in a lot of fantasy stuff, there will be a racism allegory that does not involve any actual, like, cultural diversity. Like, it'll be, you know, like- Like the mudbloods. Yeah, it'll be like Harry Potter Mm -hmm. with, like, blood purity, or it'll be, like, elves versus dwarves, but they are both still white. But, like, Mm -hmm. this- Yeah, like, so the Shadow and Bone series does have, like, there are people who can do magic and they do face discrimination, but there's also just straight-up racial discrimination that is like an actual problem for a lot of the characters cool also follow Haley on twitter at the writ to wit whatever (laughs) one day i'll remember that she tweets there and it's funny (laughs) mary payton what do you got well my plug was gonna be the exact same show ha great no that's great i'm so glad that (laughs) Double plug. Disgusting. It, it didn't sound like one plug is somehow Keep way less bedroom, weird than a double Christina. plug. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so I'm literally just going to plug something I had thought about today when I was talking to Christina, actually. Um, the book, The Wilder Girls. Oh, yeah. Um, which a lot of people, people feel both strongly um, that they like this book and strongly that they don't like this book. So however you want to feel, I don't know, just read it. I really enjoyed it. Um, uh, it's very, uh, it's like these girls in a school. Um, but for some reason, the whole campus area is like fenced off and they're very protective. They're running out of food. Um, there's some sort of evil kind of in the wilderness around them that they have to protect themselves from. And they're cut off from the rest of society. Um, and you certainly get the idea that it's some sort of like zombie-ish kind of sickness or something that's affected the world. Um, but there's that's like as far as I can go with the description because the whole thing is figuring out really what's going on. And um, it's just really cool because, you know, it's just all these relationships and friendships between the girls in this very, um, very tough, stark old kind of world that they live in um and i i really enjoyed it i i really want the author to write some more i can't remember who the author is at this time um <laughs> but again that's the wilder girls i thought it was really excellent and i recommend it it's like ya so it's a pretty short read too nice yeah um you can also follow me on instagram um at richmond reads if you awesome i will Okay, great. <laughs> Caitlin, please plug anything you're working on right now, any and all of your pod work. And um, if you would also please share with our listeners something that you've been watching, reading, listening to, playing recently that you think other people might enjoy. I will always plug or slash recommend Paddington and Paddington 2. Wait, didn't Paddington 2 just become like the highest critically acclaimed like movie yes um it <laughs> is w- thereby making citizen kane the worst movie i think that's how that works um, <laughs> so fuck citizen kane that movie's a boring turd uh paddington, paddington 2 is the greatest film of all time when that popped up on my newsfeed i was like kayla's gonna be so happy oh my gosh <laughs> i've never felt more validated in my life validation <laughs> So, yeah, I'd recommend watching those if you haven't already. And then you can listen to my podcast, The Bechtel Cast. 
in which my co-host Jamie Loftus and I, plus guests, uh, examine movies through an intersectional feminist lens. So, uh, you know, Hermione not being very active during this chapter is something that I should have noticed more than I did. Anyway. <laughs> this chapter has a lot going on, okay? There's a lot. Um so that yeah so that's the Bechtel cast and then you can follow me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Caitlin Durante awesome I've been your host Christina you can follow me on Instagram at Christina the con you can follow me on Twitter at Christina con and you can follow me on TikTok at Sprouts Private Stash and um, this week I'm gonna plug The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by uh, V.E. Schwab um, yeah nope it's a really good book <laughs> It's a good book. It's a really excellent book about a woman taking her destiny into her own hands again and again and again over the course of centuries as she lives this interminable life that is kind of wearing on her. It's a really lovely book about like identity and self-worth and yeah, nice. I, I fucking recommend it. <laughs> Um, cool. That's the end of our show. Caitlin, thank you so much for joining us. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I've had the best time. I'm so glad. And this was a really excellent chapter for you to come on for because there was just so much going on. And no Quidditch. And no Quidditch. And I would turn my time turner back three turns and do this all over again. Oh, wow. How long were you thinking of that, girl? (laughs) She came ready with it. That's on our notes. (laughs) Yeah, that's the only thing I wrote down on my scrap of paper. (laughs) And I do really, um, I really recommend the Bechdel cast. Um, Y'all recently released, I think, one of your Matreon episodes about Cadet Kelly, which I thoroughly uh-huh. thoroughly enjoyed it made it inspired us we recently watched um smart house another decom uh-huh, sure. <laughs> so um yeah i i do really recommend the bechdel cast and um thank you yeah no thank you no no thank you <laughs> and thank you as always to my co-captains Haley and mary payton hey. 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 until next time gang harry potter get out of school it's the end of the book it's time to go <laughs> We're out of here. Bye. Bye. The Restricted Section was created and hosted by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at RestrictedSectionPod or shoot us an email at RestrictedSectionPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or lavish praise. Where am I? That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network.